message from Trinity Grace Church in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit trinitygracesa.org. Welcome once again to Trinity Grace. We are glad that you're here, especially if you're a guest with us this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, you'll want to turn it to John chapter 6. The passage is also printed for you in your worship folder this morning, John chapter 6. And kids, I'd love for you to be listening for the following three things in the sermon this morning. First, listen for a story about living the good life. Listen for a story about living the good life. Second, listen for the two different words used in the Greek language for life. That's right, we're going to go there. Listen for the two words used in the Greek language for life, little ones. And third, listen for the seal of approval that everyone is looking for. The seal of approval that everyone is looking for. This morning, we're starting a new sermon series that'll take us through the month of May, looking at seven different passages from the Gospel of John, known as the I Am Statements of Jesus. You might remember back in Exodus chapter 3, Moses encounters a burning bush in the wilderness. And the bush is a theophany. It's a physical appearance made by God to a person. And in Exodus, Moses encounters this burning bush that was on fire yet was not consumed. And as he approaches the bush, he hears the voice of God commanding him to remove his sandals from his feet because he's standing on holy ground. Well, Moses complies And he receives a commission from God to head back to Egypt so that he might lead God's people out of bondage and towards the promised land. And you might remember in that encounter, Moses asked God for his name. He says, who should I go and tell these people is sending me? To which God replies, I am. God says, I am. When Moses asks what he should tell the Israelites when they ask who sent him, God responds, say to this people of Israel... I am has sent me to you. In other words, I am is the name that God used to identify himself, the name he gave himself back in Exodus chapter three. Well, fast forward to the New Testament and you see Jesus come upon the scene and through the course of the gospel of John, Jesus lets us in on who he is. Specifically by referring to himself with seven statements that begin with two Greek words, ego emi, or I am. I am. And these seven statements are ways that Jesus lets us know who he is, how he describes his identity and what he came to do. You've likely heard these I am statements before. When Jesus is implicitly asked the question, who are you? He responds by saying things like, I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the way and the truth and the life. Look, if you wanted to get to know a person, your best bet would be to ask them who they are, what they're passionate about, how they understand their own identity. And over the next two months, we're going to be considering who Jesus is and what he came to do by looking at the way he describes himself, by listening to his self-descriptions. And this morning, we're going to start with the first I am statement, which is found in John chapter 6. And so you follow along as I read, beginning in verse 25. When they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. 
Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who sent, he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now skipping to verse 48, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living father sent me and I live because of the father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of the fathers that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Well, this is God's word. He gives it to us because he loves us and he wants us to know him. Last week, we had the PGA Tour come through San Antonio for the Valero Texas Open. Some of you might know this. And it's a great week of golf held here at the TPC of San Antonio. And this year was exciting to watch because Jordan Spieth, who's one of my favorite golfers and one of the world's most accomplished golfers, won again after experiencing a multi-year win drought. And it's always fun to go out and watch the players in person if you get a chance to do it. A PGA Tour event allows you to get closer to the athletes than any other sport does for a $20 ticket. I mean, it's pretty amazing to see these pros up close, to hear them talk with one another in their caddies, and maybe even have them speak to you. A few years back, a friend of mine gave me special tickets to the Valero Open. They were tickets that not only got me onto the grounds to watch the golf, these tickets included special VIP access, because I'm a very important person, obviously, to a hospitality tent where you could cool off, you could enjoy an all-you-could-eat buffet, you could order as many drinks or milkshakes as you wanted from the open bar. They even had special gifts in the center of the table that they expected you to take and leave with. Well, that year, I took my son Caleb to enjoy the day and the perks of this hospitality tent with me. And so we spent the day walking the course with lots of stopping back into the hospitality tent for lunch and snacks and refreshments. And as you might imagine, this was a really special treat, something we don't always get to do. And in the course of enjoying good food and all the soda you could drink in a cool place to rest, Caleb at one point looked at me and said out loud, 
This is the life. This is the life. And he was right. We were living the life that day. You know what that phrase means, don't you? This is the life. Caleb wasn't talking about the fact that his heart was beating or that his lungs were filling with oxygen. He was talking about something deeper than that, more fulfilling, satisfying, joyful. This is the life. There's life and then there's life. There's the physical existence known as life and then there's the deep fulfillment and meaning and joy that we refer to with the word life as well. One word points to physical life, the other one points to quality of life. And in the English language, we use the same word for both with different meanings. Well, John's audience and the crowd following Jesus in the first century would have been also aware of this distinction between life as biological existence and life as fulfillment and meaning. And while we use the same word to refer to both realities, first century Greek readers would have had two different words to describe each reality. So whenever you see the English word life in your Bible, it's translating one of two words from the Greek. One option is that it's translating the word bios, which is biological life. It's the heart pumping and the lung filling with air. It's used to refer to existence. The other Greek word that is translated with the English word life is zoe. And that word refers to fulfillment and meaning and purpose and joy. Well, it's important to know that throughout our passage, when Jesus uses the word life, he is using it to refer to zoe life. He's using the Greek word zoe in John chapter 6. And this is significant when considering the context of our passage. Because Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000, more than 5,000 people, with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. Everyone ate until they were physically full. Well, as you might imagine, bread was a big deal for these people in the first century. I mean, many of us don't even eat bread. You know, we try to stay away from it if we can. It's optional for us, but it was a necessity in the first century. If you didn't have bread, then you didn't have life. So the crowds had experienced a miracle where Jesus satisfied their physical needs and they wanted more. Throughout our passage, the crowds are in search of bios life. They want physical bread so they can keep living, so they can sustain themselves one more day. While they're in search of this bios life, though, Jesus is trying to get them to understand that what they really need is zoe life. And that life isn't obtained through physical bread made with wheat and flour and water. That kind of bread, that zoe life, can only be found in Jesus, who is referred to by himself as the bread of life. Now that's interesting. The crowd is in search of bios and Jesus uses the word zoe. And that's why Christ's response feels so confusing to us at first. Kind of like a non sequitur, right? When you read John chapter six. But by doing this, Jesus is implicitly saying at least two things about the crowd and about us. One, he's saying that we have a deep hunger for zoe life. And two, we're trying to satisfy a Zoe hunger with bios solutions. And this passage won't make much sense unless you understand that fundamental truth about yourself. 
It's the fact that we all have a deep hunger for Zoe life, but we're constantly trying to satisfy our longings with biosolutions. Think about it for a second. We are starving for a life of meaning and purpose and joy. And we have this longing that is sometimes hard to even put into words, but it's the driving force in all of our lives. With all that we do, we are searching for meaning and happiness. Blaise Pascal touched on this when he said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. This will never, they will never take the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. Bruce Springsteen, who's quoted in the front of your bulletin, made it a lot more simple when he said, everybody's got a hungry heart. Everybody's got a hungry heart. We have a hunger for Zoe, but we seek out that life and fulfillment in the things of this world by our solutions. We look for fulfillment in things like substances, in pleasure, in achievement, in our careers, in our attractiveness, in our relationships. And if you try to fill yourself with these things, you know if you've lived long enough that you will always feel empty. You will never feel full. Jesus calls these things in our passage food that spoils. Earthly bread is what he says. Not only do these things not satisfy you, they leave you more hungry in the end. And you might say, that's a little up there in the clouds, Michael. I don't really know what you're talking about. Well, we chase after things that leave us more thirsty and hungry than we were before. Bios can fill us for a moment, but it's temporary. Just think about your life for a minute. This is our story. It's our story with sex. We give ourselves to someone because we think we'll feel loved but you just feel used in the end. Or think about success. You can spend your entire life trying to climb to the top and you finally get there and realize that you've ruined your marriage and friendships and you feel hollow. You've got all the money in the world, but you feel empty. Or how about pornography? We don't talk about this enough as a church and we should because the statistics are overwhelming. What is happening in your heart with pornography? you get this temporary high and research does show that it does certain things to the brain analogous to addictive drugs. But in the end, when the dust settles, you're reminded of how lonely you must feel to pretend with someone on a screen. Earthly bread that does not satisfy. You might be thinking, wait a second. I know a lot of people who have these things and do these things and they seem like they're pretty happy people. They don't seem miserable. I'd say true, but you know how long that lasts? It lasts as long as life is going well, but inevitably suffering comes and it shatters the illusion that these things work to bring fulfillment and satisfaction to our souls. When things don't go well, which happens eventually for all of us, it puts us in touch with the yearning we have for Zoe life. In John chapter six, we see Jesus trying to get us to see that we have a deep spiritual hunger and we're trying to satisfy our hunger in all the wrong things. And the question becomes, is there anything that can actually satisfy you? And that's where we find Jesus when he says, I am the bread of life. 
I am the bread of life. I am the Zoe answer to your Zoe need. Jesus is saying that he's the only one who can fill you. Look at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is making the claim that everything we're running after in life, everything that we work so hard to obtain and achieve is really about God. It's really a deep internal desire to experience the fulfillment and satisfaction that only Jesus can bring us. And we mask it all the time. We deceive ourselves. We try to ignore our misplaced desires. But everything we wear ourselves out over, those areas in our life that bring regret, is us trying to obtain this life that only Jesus can give us. I like how G.K. Chesterton put it when he said, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Or maybe you like how C.S. Lewis put it when he said this, the books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust in them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire, but if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Your pursuit for purpose, for meaning, for joy, for significance, for happiness, and all of it, What we're ultimately looking for is the bread of life that only Jesus can give. Are you too cynical to believe that could be true this morning? Do you roll your eyes when you hear Jesus say this in John chapter 6? The hunger that you felt your entire life is actually a clue that exposes your most pressing need. You long to be filled because you were made to be filled. And Jesus comes to us in John chapter 6 and he offers to fill us. Now, how can Jesus make this offer and actually make good on it? Well, I think we find a clue to that answer in verse 27. Jesus reveals how he can provide them with the bread they truly seek, bread that leads to Zoe life, to eternal life, to deep joy and flourishing and purpose. Jesus says this to the crowds in verse 27, who are after immediate satisfaction that's gonna fade. He says this, look at it. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. A little bit strange. In this verse, we see that Jesus can offer us the bread of life, and he can do it because God has set his seal on Jesus. Now, what does Jesus mean by that last sentence? Well, the word seal shows up three times in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, and 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. And in each of these places, there is an allusion, direct or implied, to the baptism of Christian converts. Baptism in the New Testament is known as a seal, and Jesus is saying that God has placed that seal on him in the act of baptism. Now, remember the baptism of Jesus? This is how Matthew recounts the baptism in chapter three of his gospel. 
says, and when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Okay, go with me here. In the baptism of Jesus, we get the audible voice of God, the voice and the seal of utter approval. Now stop and consider what is your driving motivation in your search for bios? What is it that we're ultimately looking for with all of our efforts and energies and achievements? Well, could it be that we're after a voice to tell us that they are well-pleased? Could it be that we're searching for someone to assure us that we're significant, that we're loved, that we're accepted? And the Bible makes the claim that you are in search of the voice of God. You are in search of this seal of approval. And we can only find that seal of approval in Jesus. And he wants to give it to us. As we're united to him, we hear the words of approval and acceptance from God. In Christ, you are a beloved child with whom God is well pleased. Now, who talks to you like that? Who talks to you like that? What else that you're pursuing in life speaks words of life to you like that? Your money won't talk to you like that. Your kid sure won't talk to you like that. Your reputation won't talk to you like that. Your beauty won't talk to you like that. Only Jesus can give us those words in your life. He is the bread that we long for, the food that endures to eternal life. John 6, our passage, it's full of good news. But on the other hand, John chapter 6 actually turns out to be one of the saddest chapters in the New Testament because by the end of this chapter, the crowd of thousands that was following Jesus is reduced to dozens. It's obvious that there are lots of people who don't want what Jesus is offering. And this shows us that people can be around Jesus, but not really know him. People can grow up in church and around Christians and in a moral society by and large. They can know a lot about Jesus, but not really want what he offers. One of the questions that John 6 is forcing us to ask is, do we want the bread that Jesus is offering? And if you do, praise God. If you want Jesus to meet your desires for Zoe life, the offer is on the table. The invitation to feast on the bread of life still stands. So how do we get it? Well, you know as well as I that you don't just look at food, right? If you just looked at food your whole life, you wouldn't still be living. You've got to take the food and you've got to eat it. You've got to digest it. You've got to allow it to give you nourishment if it's going to be beneficial for your physical body. So you've got to eat every single day, not just physically, but also spiritually. We know how this works physically. We make time to eat, don't we? I mean, we take lunch breaks. I normally take about an hour, hour and a half. Most of us structure our days around meals. Wake up for breakfast, get home for dinner. Why do we think it would be any different when it comes to our souls? Why do we starve ourselves spiritually by pursuing junk or not eating at all? We've got to keep feasting on Jesus for nourishment, for true fulfillment, for satisfaction that lasts. And you might be wondering, well, how do we do that? How do you do that? Well, we feast on Jesus through the normal means of grace. Reading God's word, 
individually and with each other, praying individually and with each other, worshiping, community, neighborhood groups, Bible studies. Like the Israelites in Exodus who were fed with manna, the manna that was a sign of a greater bread to come, we have to go and collect enough to sustain us on a daily basis. We can't hoard the bread of life. We don't need to because Jesus promises to always be there. We take enough to sustain us in the moment, coming back to Jesus to find satisfaction and fulfillment on a daily basis. As we close this morning, I want you to consider for just a minute why exactly you would want this bread of life. Why would we choose the bread that Jesus offers? Well, it's not only because he provides the satisfaction and the fulfillment that our hearts ultimately desire, it's also because this is the only bread that will die for you. This is the only bread that will die for you. Jesus is the only bread that doesn't demand that you be broken to get him. Think about it. Every other place you go for fulfillment and satisfaction in life demands that we work, demands that we sacrifice, demands that we give until we're broken. But the bread of life, Jesus, is broken to get you. Unlike the other places we go for fulfillment and satisfaction, Jesus offers us an easy yoke and a light burden. Other breads sap our life, demand our life from us, but Jesus gives us his life so that we might be invited to experience true life. I love how Tim Keller puts it when he says, Jesus is the only Lord who, if you receive him, will fulfill you completely, and if you fail him, will forgive you eternally. Jesus is the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So come and feast on the bread of life. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for coming down to us in order to satisfy and to fulfill our soul's deepest longings. And we pray this morning that as we get a chance to feast with you, that you would encourage our souls, that you would nourish us, that you would renew us as we come to you in order to find sustenance and renewal and satisfaction. Lord, forgive us for looking for those things in other places that are only found in you. And so we come now and we want to be fed. And we pray that you would do it graciously in Christ's name. Amen.